morning, everyone. Scripture this morning, I will be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Beloved, I have to concur with what our brother Chris said during the communion service that um, God does seem to bring certain things together and um, in, in an order that we've been looking at and talking about, and, and Chris said some things that I'm going to be also referring to um, in our lesson this morning. Um, I want to talk today about our forever home. Beloved, I, I, and, I, and I mean that word forever. We, we say that a lot, and I think some of my brethren or some of my fellow citizens kind of get confused about that. When I was on Facebook, um, and, you know, you would see people would come on there and they'd say, oh, I have a best friend forever, a BFF, right? Now, what does the word forever mean? Forever, okay, eternally. They'd say, I've got a best friend forever, and then two weeks later, they'd have another best friend forever. So I thought, well, that's kind of an odd thing, you know, understand the concept of forever. And people are saying to me, oh, Brother Green, we finally got our dream home. We have built our forever home. And I'm thinking, no, you ain't. No, it's going to burn up one day, brother, no matter how much money you put into that house. It's going to be gone. It's not your forever home. And I want to talk, though, this morning about what the Bible says is our forever home. I want us to <clears throat> read uh, in just a moment, if you well, uh, want to be turning there, I don't think I had Robbie put the entire section up on the board, but if you want to be turning to Second Corinthians chapter 5, um, <clears throat> because, brethren, oftentimes we know that the, what helps someone or keeps someone going in this life through a very, very difficult time is hope for a better tomorrow, and we're going to be looking at that. You've got to have faith that things are just going to get better, no matter how dark the night is and no matter how, how evil the days may seem. we got to understand that things are going to get better as long as we remain in Christ. And, and, um, and so we, we want to understand that, brothers and sisters. In second in Corinthians chapter 4, the, the chapter prior, <coughs> prior to the one we're going to be looking at, of course, Paul speaks of the very great difficulties of this life. He speaks of the, his own personal persecutions and how some of them had gotten him to the point of despair and, and, and how things were really, really tough in this life sometimes. And, and so um, he says, though, um, in verse 16 of chapter 4, as, as he's coming up on chapter 5, and understand this is all one thought, of course, but he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, that's the physical body, he says, our inner man is being renewed <clears throat> day by day, meaning on a daily basis. For a momentary line of affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things that we, that we can see are the temporary things, brothers and sisters. They're all going to be gone one day. Everything you can see with your eyes is going to be gone one day. But that we, he said, we don't look at that, but we look at the things which are not seen. For well, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And he says, so we got to get our focus right. And then he goes in in chapter 5, verse 1, and, and let's read this together, okay? For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, as we just read to us in our scripture a reading a minute ago. Verse 2, for indeed, in this house, meaning our physical body, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Insomuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, talking about our physical body, 
we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed but to be clothed so to, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a pledge there as a pledge I'm sorry therefore being always of good courage and knowing that while we're at home in the body we're absent from the Lord for we walk by faith not by sight we are of good courage I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord therefore we also have as our ambition whether at home or absent to be pleasing to him does this kind of get a little muddled at this point just hang on we're going to flesh it out for we must all verse 10 we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad therefore knowing the fear of the Lord we persuade men but we are made manifest to God and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences Brothers and sisters, the Bible says here, and Paul refers to us, our physical body is a tent. And, and this refers to, in this day and age, <clears throat> there were people that led a nomadic lifestyle. And if you were a nomad, um, besides it being a fantastic 57 Chevy, um, if you were a nomad, it meant that you lived a life of wandering, right? You did not have a, quote, permanent home. And he, and he refers to Abraham you, in Hebrews chapter 11, talking about how Abraham and his kin lived in tents, and they, they would pull up stakes every now and then, and they would just go from from site to site, from place to place, because they understood that their home was not on this earth and that they're just a passing through and their treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. They understood that very, very well, brothers and sisters. How many of y'all have ever done any, what they call it today, primitive camping? You ever done any primitive camping? Okay, because, see, the reason they call it, they didn't even call it that in our day, because, see, when you went camping, you went camping in a tent if you even had that. We didn't have the RVs and the home away from home and all that kind of stuff. It, it tickled me. People, we're going camping and they got a $90,000 RV they're going to be saying, that ain't camping. When you went camping, see, you had a little tent. You'd have a pup tent. We slept six kids in a pup tent. And one of the guys in the pup tent would eat a dozen boiled eggs and it'd get bad at night. And so, but that was that we understood that that tent was our quote temporary dwelling place that we were going to be going back home. And so Paul describes our body that way and said this human body is our tent. It is not our permanent home. It is a temporary dwelling place. And he says we got to understand about this temporary dwelling place that if this body is torn down. It's going to be torn down. It's not going to last. And so then we need to put a whole lot more emphasis and time and energy on the spiritual things. On, as he said in 2 Corinthians 4, at the end of the chapter, on the things that are not seen, on the eternal things, brothers and sisters. And we need to put less time on the flesh and the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and the, because that is the temporary, he says. The vast majority of many people's time and effort in life is spent on satisfying the flesh or the temporary things, okay? But it's dying. This is what Paul's saying. It's dying. It's temporary. It's not going to be around here for a while. But the soul lives on forever. 
So for the Christian brothers and sisters, separation, that's what death is. Death is simply separation. There's two kinds of death in the Bible. Okay, there's physical death. When you die, your soul, which lives forever, separates from your physical body, which is temporary. That is a separation. The Bible talks of spiritual death, especially in the book of Revelation. Spiritual death is when you are dead spiritually. Your soul is separated from its creator and its Lord and its Savior. And so it is a separation. So death for the Christian, for the faithful child of God, it's separation from, it's freedom from, it's release from, it's liberation from this sinful flesh. That's good. That's a good thing. Seneca, <clears throat> who lived long, long, long ago, wrote this one time. He says, I am a higher being and born for higher things than to be the slave of my body, which I look upon as only a shackle put upon my freedom. In so detestable a body dwells the free soul. Brothers and sisters, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15 especially, death is a wonderful thing for the Christian. We no longer have to fear death, okay? Chris talked about dying and being propped up by a jukebox. Before that, Tanya Tucker saying, if I die and I can't go to heaven, send me to Texas. There ain't going to be a Texas. It's all temporary, brethren. So for the Christian dying, physically leaving this tent, this temporary dwelling place, and going to our heavenly home is going to be a great thing, as Paul's going to talk about. For the Christian being separated from this earthly tent, that's good news. We ought to have a joyful death. Maybe the manner in which we die may not be so great, but we ought to have a joyful death. Because why? He says in verse 1, as, as we looked at a, a little bit ago, because we have a building from God. We do have a forever home, brothers and sisters. And it's not built by us, as Hebrews 11 says, and John chapter 14 says, God is building that home. He's preparing that place for us. And then when we get to heaven, 1 Corinthians 15, we're not going to have this tent, this temporary dwelling place. It is going to be a perfect, sinless body. It will be an eternal one. It will be more glorious than any created thing on this earth. And as Paul says, we're going to exchange for the, the mortal, for the immortal, the temporary, for the eternal. It's going to all be good. Makes you want to die, don't it? We ought, I mean, seriously, verse 2, Paul says, In this tent we groan. In this earthly body, we groan. How true. How many of y'all have done any groaning lately? I bet some of y'all groaned when you had to get up out of bed when the alarm went off with him morning. We groan, brothers and sisters. This flesh is so weak. We're weighed down with sin and with lust and, and with physical ailments and illnesses and, and all kinds of problems in this life, and we're constantly afflicted in some way or the other. Every one of us has some kind of a burden to bear in trials and tribulations. And won't it be great to shed this old dwelling, this old wore-out tent, and go on to the new, the imperishable? That's going to be good stuff. It's, it's like moving from a little old dumpy one-room shack that's rat-infested to the most beautiful mansion you can ever imagine. And that doesn't even do it justice. Are you tired of being tired, beloved? of being worn down, 
of struggling with all kinds of problems and sin and of being hurt and all of life's burdens and all of life's limitations, Paul says, you hang on. You remain faithful to God, as we're going to see in a minute. He said, there's a new day coming. We sing that song, there's a great day coming. And it is, brothers and sisters, verse 2, the last part of verse 2, for indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Because we groan, because this earthly tent is decaying, because this world is not our home, brothers and sisters, Paul says we're longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. That word long for in the Greek means a strong yearning, looking forward with great eagerness, a strong anticipation. The soul cries out for its permanent dwelling. Brother, do you long for it? Do you long for that heavenly home as God's child? You've heard a little story of a, the teacher of teaching a little second-grade Bible class one time, and she talked about heaven and how wonderful heaven is going to be, and she said, okay, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? And every kid in the class raised her hand but one little boy. And afterwards, she, he was kind of concerned. She said, Johnny, didn't you understand how wonderful heaven is? He said, oh, yeah, I sure did. She said, don't you want to go? He said, yeah, but I thought you was getting up a load to go right now. Well, beloved, some Christians feel that way, you know. I want to go eventually. But not right now. Paul said, uh uh-uh, man, I long to do that. And uh, then he says in verses 3 and 4, the reason we groan, point 2, is that, uh, that we are tired of being naked. Look what he says. And inasmuch as we haven't put it on, we'll not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan being burdened because we don't want to be unclothed but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Um, <laughs> brothers and sisters, you know, uh, kids are innocent. Babies are innocent, right? They'll run around naked. I, I mean, I've seen them when I was a kid. You know, we had kids in our neighborhood just run up and down the street naked. They were like three years old. They, they thought it was fine. They didn't know any better, you know. And, uh, and so uh, we groan because why? We're tired of being naked. At the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve realized their nakedness because of their sin. <clears throat> and so man has been in a sinful state ever since the fall of mankind, and then one of the um, consequences of that is that we have been stripped of our full potential and our full glory. We stand, as one fellow said, naked before the all-seeing eye of God, and we're tired of that. We ought to be. And so verse 4 says we will be completely clothed in heaven. That's going to be great, brothers and sisters. Everything in heaven is going to be complete. Paul says right now on this earth, everything about us is incomplete, brothers and sisters. We don't serve the way we should. We don't love the way we should. We don't sacrifice the way we should. We don't do anything the way that we should because of our sinfulness. And so in heaven, we're not going to have that problem anymore. We're going to be completely clothed. Aren't you looking forward to that? I am. We'll be the way God meant us to be before the fall of mankind. When God actually walked in the garden with Adam and Eve on a daily basis and had that, that close physical relationship, as it were, with them. We're going to have that in heaven with God. And so what does he say? In, and thirdly, to encourage us in verse 5, he says, as Christians, we have been prepared by God for this very purpose. Brothers and sisters, it's in God's purpose to do this. 
Long before the earth was ever created, long before there was ever a mankind on this earth, it's in God's purpose that we live with him for an eternity. The purpose of living with God forever. When we come to God, when we repent of our sins and confess Christ to be our Lord, our Master, and are baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and we become, the Bible says, a child of God, and he begins at that very moment, as Jesus explains in John 14, that he begins to prepare a home for you. And Jesus said, if I go and prepare a home for you, I will come again that where I am, there you may be. Beloved, we're going to be with the Lord forever. That is God's original purpose for mankind was to have intimate, close fellowship with him, to be in his presence. Now, sin messed that up. And he, said, he goes on to say, though, that in Christ, God's not only purposed this, but he's promised it. He says in our text here that he gave his spirit, his Holy Spirit, as a pledge, a down payment. You see, when you're going to pledge something and you say, I promise to do this, well, how do we know you promise to do this? You know, talk is cheap, right? We would say in our modern-day vernacular. And so, brothers and sisters, when, when you go to buy, have you ever bought a house or a piece of property? Yeah, some of y'all are multiple landowners, you know. And, and what do you do? When, when you're thinking about signing that contract and, and buying that piece of property or that house, they ask you to lay down what? Earnest money. This is the same Greek word here earnest money. What is an earnest money? That is a pledge. That is that you're saying, I'm really serious about buying this piece of property, and I'm going to put my own money down to, to guarantee or to show that I'm serious about this. The Bible says God, in, in wanting to show us that he's serious about taking us to our heavenly home one day, has given us in the meantime his Holy Spirit to live in us, and that Holy Spirit is many things, but he is also a pledge. He is, he is saying, I am God's guarantee, God's promise that those faithful Christians are going to be with me for an eternity in heaven. Brothers and sisters, it is a guarantee. It is a proof of what God said. It is a pledge um, given, and, and, and it gives backing to the words. I guarantee to keep my promise to you as you remain in me. And then he says in verse 6, brothers and sisters, because of that, we can be confident and courageous, okay? Therefore, meaning because God has purposed it, because God has promised it, because God has pledged it, being always of good courage and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Not, not in the spiritual sense, but meaning as Adam and Eve had daily fellowship with God. He said, we're absent in that way, okay? God's in heaven. We're here. Now, God's Spirit is with us. God is with us. We understand that, brethren. But in the, this context, he's talking about we're not in the presence of our Lord and Savior. And so then he says, what's going to happen, uh, you know, as we have this guarantee? Okay? He said, we need to be comforted in the meantime. We need to be, have faith and live a life of faith and be courageous because God has guaranteed what he's talking about this morning. So that's why Paul begins in verse 1, for we know, we know when our earthly tent is torn down, we have a house with God in heaven. Sometimes people say, well, Brother Green, we have the hope of heaven. Paul doesn't say the hope of heaven unless you mean it in the biblical context. He said, no, 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 we know, we know. That word in, in the Greek is gnosis. It's where we get our English word knowledge from, from the Greek word gnosis. And the Greek word gnosis means you know that you know that you know, brothers and sisters. There's no shred of doubt whatsoever. 
And so this is what Paul is reassuring us. Because God has purposed it, because God's given his spirit as a pledge, then, then you can know that when this physical body dies, you're going to be with the Lord forever in heaven. Brothers and sisters, that's good stuff, ain't it? Then somebody ought to say amen. That's just good stuff. So, but do you know what he goes on to say in the meantime, verses 6 through 8? If I had my druthers, y'all ever heard that? My, my daddy and mama and their generation my, and my grandparents' generation would say that all the, if I had my druthers, you know what they're talking about? If I had my choice, if I could do what I want to be doing right now, I'd be fishing instead of cropping tobacco. You see, if I had my druthers, and this is what Paul says in verses 6 through 8, right? Therefore, always being of good courage and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, be well-pleasing to him. Brothers and sisters, while we're in the body and away from the Lord, as he puts it here, we must walk by faith and not by sight. That's what we've got to do that. This earthly journey is one of faith and one of hope, one of looking forward. In heaven, we'll need have, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, you know, we'll have no need of faith and hope because we'll see, we'll know, we'll have all things. We'll know all things, brothers and sisters. And so, and so then um, <clears throat> love will remain, of course. But until then, we must be courageous, he says, and walk by faith. And then he says in verse 9, therefore, okay, because we have a new body and a new home in heaven, okay? Therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home or um, absent or away from the Lord, as we would say, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, Paul says, out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of love, whether we're in the presence of God in heaven or whether we're still serving him here on planet Earth, we should have as our ambition to be well-pleasing to him. Paul says he gives two things that we have in verse 8 and verse 9, okay? We have a preference and we have an ambition. Paul says my preference, my druthers would be, I would a lot rather go on and be with the Lord. Now, in, uh, don't have this down, but in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, he explains to the Philippians his druthers here, his preference. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, that will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know, know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with the Lord, for that is very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So Paul says, okay, my druthers would be to go ahead and go on and be with the Lord. That's my preference. That's what I would love to do right now, but to remain on is be fruitful labor in the Lord, and he's not done with me yet, and so I'm going to continue to walk in the Lord. And he said, Paul says, either way, either way, we want to have as our ambition to be well-pleasing to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we're going to continue to serve and worship and praise God in heaven. He said, whether on earth or in heaven, we want to make it as our ambition to please our Heavenly Father. But you know what, beloved, in heaven, we're going to be able to worship and serve God in a way that we're unable to do at this time in this earthly tent. We're not going to be hindered by sin in heaven. We'll be able to sing vigorously there. We'll be able to pray the way we've never prayed here. 
we'll be able to love and serve without our own fleshly desires getting in the way. It's going to be a marvelous thing. But you know what, though? After talking about all this wonderful time, Paul remembers something. And he gives a reminder in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Paul says when we have an assurance from God as faithful Christians that when we leave this earthly body, we're going to go and live with him for an eternity. But you know what? There's something that's got to take place first. And that is all, everyone, the entire world, from Adam and Eve onward, must appear before the judgment seat of God to be judged according to the way we've lived in this earthly tent on planet Earth. And there's going to be, at that time, before we can inherit heaven, there's going to be what's called the great separation that's going to occur. That's going to be a glorious day for who those described as the sheep by Jesus who are going to go to their good great shepherd in heaven. And the goats, they're going to go to an eternity in hell. You see, brothers and sisters, we both have an eternal home. We both have a forever home. For some folk, it's going to be in heaven. For others, it's going to be in hell. And so Paul remembers that, and all of his rejoicing and all of his anxiousness and his preference to be with the Lord, he understands there's a whole lot of people in the world that's not going to be there. And so he's described the glory and the comfort and the greatness of heaven, and then he realizes that not everyone's going to be there. And so then, and they're not going to be there because they have chosen to forsake God in his way and his uh, means of salvation. And so what does he remind us then? Okay, in verse 11, he reminds us that are going to be in heaven the privilege that every Christian has to persuade men to follow God so that they also can be saved and they also can inherit that forever home in heaven. Beloved, let me ask you this this morning, and this is an individual question that each and every one of us has to answer. Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? Are you a faithful child of God? Do you desire an eternal body and a forever home in heaven? If you can't stand before God, according to verse um, of 10 of our text, before the judgment seat of God and be declared and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest, please get that right today. There's too much at stake. Please, please don't make the mistake that so many people are making of trading the temporary for the eternal while we stand and sing.